Hello, and welcome to The Kosh. I'm your host, Timber Smith, and The Kosh is a podcast that spotlights people who have had an association with The Kosh in the surrounding Fox Cities area. Kosh listeners, how are we doing this morning? Um, Let me just say, out of all of the episodes and a lot of grumbling over time, we have a beautiful morning today. I am geeked about today. I can't wait to get out here um, and do the things that you do at the beginning when you start having nice weather at the beginning, which will probably be cleaning out my garage. (laughs) Yeah, it just is what it is. I mean, like, but I actually get excited about it, not only because, uh, like, it's just a necessary evil in a sense, but our garage is not a thing that we park cars in. Our garage is what we refer to as the she shed, and it is a place where there is uh, hanging out with friends and libation happiness that tends to occur. So she said she shed season is upon us, and I'm super excited Bruh. about it. So let's make it happen. Bruh. All right. Now, more importantly, gosh, listeners, you know what I'm going to say. I do not know how I get these amazing guests. I get the most amazing guest. And today, this is going to be fire. This episode is going to be so, so good. There's going to be crazy conversation about things. Like, I'm I'm beyond excited. Um, and I can't believe that this particular guest said, yeah, I'll come. I'll come do the cash and made time for it. So that's fantastic. Um, so without further ado... This week's guest is Lee Snod- Snodgrass. Ooh, see, I almost screwed it up. <laughs> How are we doing, Lee? I'm doing great. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, I am super excited to have you here in the space. Um, how's it going? You know, considering everything that's going on in the world, it's going it's going well. It's I going. feel like I'm in a good space. I'm yeah. glad to be here. All right, good space. All right, I feel that. I feel like, you know what it is? It's the sun. Yeah, that does help. Like, tremendously like it's bright it's sunny it's warm yep turn your face to the sun your mood's already better facts just facts all right so you ready to kick it off yes let's do it all right so lee can you please share a little something about yourself and what's your connection to the cash and the surrounding fox cities area um, well, I am currently the state representative for the 57th Assembly District, which um, encompasses Appleton, Central and South Appleton, Menasha, and parts of Fox Crossing. And I have lived in the Fox Cities, primarily Appleton, for over, I think I'm close to 30 years. I think it's about 29 years now. Uh, yes. Yep. Yep. I moved here. Um, so I grew up in Green Bay. Um, that's where my parents lived. And then I went away to school uh, at Madison, and then I moved out east for a while. And then when I was in my early 20s, I moved back here to the Fox Valley in, in uh, Appleton. So. You, you totally pulled a boomerang. I did. You know, it's it, I was born in Philadelphia, and I it's not something I hide because I feel like once you've lived in Wisconsin for at least 20 years, you're truly a Wisconsinite. But uh, Oh, facts. My dad was in the paper industry, and if you know anybody in the paper industry, it's a little bit like being in the army in the sense that you were transferred a lot, different mill transfers. So my family went from Pennsylvania to Delaware to Ohio, and then finally landed us in Wisconsin. And once you live in Wisconsin, it's, it's hard to leave. It's a really pretty great place to live. I agree with that. 100%. Yeah. Um, it is, it's really hard to leave. Um, 
siblings? I have a sister, and she actually currently lives in Madison, but she lived in New York City um, for 20-plus years. So I was able to get my East Coast fix and go out and stay with Beth in New York. And, yeah, she works in the arts, so it's kind of fun that we're both – she's currently with the UW system, and um, I, of course, work for the state. So we're both getting that sweet, sweet pension. (laughs) (laughs) Facts. Facts. Me too. <laughs> it is one of it is one of the better things uh, I by far I can say. I've been lucky enough that even though I've moved around a little bit, uh, my last three positions have all still been under the pension. Yeah. So and I would love to open that up to everybody. I feel like everybody has an should have an opportunity. So. Oh yes, um, pensions like they don't exist anymore. No, they don't. Really. Like they're rare. Municipal employees, state employees, yeah. Same with bonuses. I, I, I remember back in the heyday in the paper industry in the 90s, that's where I started out, and people would get like bonuses. And I think very few companies do that anymore where, you know, come the end of the year, somebody gives you a check for $10,000, which seems just bizarre to me now. Um, maybe in sales. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe in sales. Um, and there's a couple of, the, well, my wife works at one of her uh, positions. They do bonuses. and they, do they? Yeah, they, they're actually really good about it. Um, I wouldn't call it like straight profit sharing, but they definitely recognize, hey, um, we should probably cut our people a check. Our people are, are the people that are make, make this all work and run. My bonus is I get to um, run for re-election and try and keep my job. So it's a nice bonus when I win in a re-election. <laughs> It's not a guaranteed bonus. No, it is not. It is not. <laughs> what? Uh, you know what? Let me ask. Because I find running fascinating. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot to it. I actually don't think people understand, A, the amount of effort and organization that it takes to run. Like, it's serious. It really is. And I agree with you that a lot of it people don't understand. So I first ran for office in 2018. I lost that election. I was running for state Senate against then Senator Roger (laughs) Roth. Um, And I feel like for me, that was probably one of the singular most important growth opportunities of my adult life. Um, I was working full time at the Girl Scouts. I was their communications director. It's a nonprofit. Uh, You can't mix politics and work and politics and nonprofit. So I was essentially going into work early then getting off at around four and campaigning on nights and weekends. And I was campaigning up until 11 PM at night. So there's two most important things, voter contact and raising money. And the money part is the part nobody likes, but it's unfortunately a necessary evil because you, especially as a new candidate, people don't know who you are unless you have the ability to get in front of them and as try as hard as you might, especially in a Senate district, you're not going to be able to knock all those doors Um, and so getting in front of people is things like Facebook ads and mailings and, you know, um, sometimes radio and television advertisement and all that takes money. So in the beginning of a campaign, you're spending most of your time raising money. And in the beginning, I, it was hard. I felt like, oh, I don't want to ask for money for myself. But then I realized you're essentially asking money for you to be the voice of people. You're, it's not money for yourself. You are going to work for the people when you're in office and you are going to uphold the values and the things that are important to these people. And so when you support a candidate, you're not giving money to Lee Snodgrass, the person. I can't access any of that money um, personally. 
you're giving money to, I believe that this person is going to fight for the values that I hold. And I'm going to, I believe that this person is going to be responsive to me as a constituent. So it gets easier to ask for money when you frame it that way, but nobody likes it. And then the rest is knocking doors. And my favorite part is knocking doors, especially now as a, um, as a representative, I, when I'm knocking doors now, it's not just people who I want to vote for me. I, they're my constituents and I can say, Hey, I'm your state representative, you know, what's on your mind and you know, what's concerning you? How can I help you out? And people do tell you, and there have been conversations at the doors where I've been able to help people. Wait a minute. This is Wisconsin. People definitely tell you, (laughs) they will tell you in a heartbeat how they feel. And even though what you do has nothing to do with it, they're going to tell you about their garbage pickup or (laughs) or anything like I do have to do a lot of civics and education at the doors. A lot of people will talk to me about federal issues or city issues. And then I have to explain that, well, that, you know, garbage is a municipal issue and, but I'm able to connect them with their local alder person. And if it's a federal issue, you know, I certainly try to connect them with their congressperson or their senator. Yeah, no, I, because, and I get it. um, Before I started working in it, it's confusing. Yeah. Because you don't get like there's layers to it. You know, there's this person, these these people do this at this level, at county level, and then it goes to state and like And there's and, overlap, you know, the the amount that the state funds local government depends on the services local government can provide. So if somebody is complaining about, you know, roads in Appleton not being fixed, part of that comes back on the state, you know, how much shared revenue the state of Wisconsin is giving to cities like Appleton affects, as you know, their oh. budget, you know. <laughs> oh, that that word shared revenue is very a very serious topic right now in um, in my space. It That's sure, it sure is. And, you know, local, I mean, if you're paying any attention to this week's news, you heard the word shared revenue a lot because there's a current bill out there being rushed through the, the process. And I'll probably be voting on some version of that next week. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Nope. That's, that's serious, serious business. It is. Okay. You ready to jump into the first segment? You got it. Let's do it. All right. First segment is what in the world is going on with? That's where you start with the phrase, what in the world is going on with? And you tell us what's on your mind. So Lee, what's on your mind? So this, I, we talked about whether or not I was going to go deep on this or go light. Um, I'm going to go deep. I'm um, wearing a sweatshirt today that says protect trans kids. Facts. And I want to talk about what in the world is going on with nationwide attacks on the LGBTQ plus community. Um, and honestly, what's going on with that is a small group of vocal conservative people who are driving a political narrative that is taking on national scope. And unfortunately, when you drive a political narrative that there is um, something wrong with, something to be afraid of, something to be um, demonized in many cases, something to be silenced with uh, members of the LGBTQ plus community, when you do that, that in of itself is causing harm. We know that youth are really at risk for um, suicide ideation and the mental health of our young people um, is at an all-time high in terms of um, you know, needing care, um, needing supports. And by virtue of driving a conversation that tells a certain segment of especially young people 
that they don't belong, that they're not seen, and that they don't deserve to have the same rights and freedoms as the rest, um, you are actively choosing harm. You are actively harming members of your community. And it's a small group of people, but it's getting all the headlines and it's getting all the attention in state houses and legislators throughout the country. Wisconsin uh, representatives in the GOP and the Republican introduced a bunch of bills last session. We anticipate that they will again introduce those bills in spite of the fact the governor would never sign them, that, that they um, would never get votes on the floor, which is, number one, it's a waste of time. It's a waste of taxpayer time when you pursue, pursue legislation that you know is going to be vetoed and won't go anywhere. But it is actively harming members of our community. It is actively harming children. Bruh, and facts. It, and it, it blows my mind that somebody would take a non-issue, turn it into an issue, and then weaponize it cross-country in a way that is causing these kinds of risks for our young people. Um, so, yeah, what the hell's going on with that? And my my thing is, is um, why so fear? Yes. That's it. Like, I don't, I don't ever understand why people run on sowing fear. Mm-hmm. Or, or, like, that's what your thing is, like, to sow fear about people, just regular, everyday people. Well, and when, um, when has, when has using, like if, if you, you, you know, I know your name is Timber, but if, if any given day you said to me, oh, I go by Carl now, I'm just making that up. What do I care? I'll call you Carl because I respect you. And, and that's what you've told me you want to be called. Why do people care if somebody said, oh, actually my pronouns are he, him, or I go by, you know, Raya now. Great. Thank you for telling me. Yeah. How is it harming anybody? It's not harming anyone. No, no. but they're pretending it is. Well, it's just, like it it's just effort. And the, the other thing that I always find fascinating mm-hmm. is the fear that they're sowing. In their silos, they think they haven't had interactions with trans people, but I'm willing to bet they've had trans people in their lives and they just didn't know they were trans. You know, some of them say that, and I'm I'm reminded of, and I'll I'll call out, um, generational racism here. Um, my mother grew up in the South and her mother was typically racist, older person. And my mom called on my, when my mom was young, she called her on like, you know, being racist. And she said, I'm not racist. I had lunch with so-and-so. I let her sit at my table referring (laughs) referring to a black woman. There are legislators in our state, um, in this, in Wisconsin who will say, I'm not anti-trans. I have a trans neighbor and I wave to him every day. Really? Really? That's your defense as you wave to your trans neighbor? I, I mean, they are actively, openly being homophobic, being racist, xenophobic. I firmly believe that in 2016, Trump did not create these things. He just emboldened people to stop hiding them. Is there a possibility, because I really do, I think this sometimes, is there a possibility that they really don't believe in most of this and this is just something to campaign on? Like they're just going along, they're going along to get along. Because there's a certain part of me that feels like the new politics of today is about difference, about finding something to be, uh, to uh, something that's different and picking on it and then, and, 
Yeah. Do you, do you know what I mean? Like it, I just, do. it just doesn't feel authentic. Well, I think there's a performative act, you know, aspect to some of politics. Um, and I do think, like I said, it is, it, it truly is a small number of people who feel these, you know, incredibly conservative, hateful ways. But unfortunately they are driving the conversation. They are driving the narrative. And so when I have representatives in the, uh, in the other party who are introducing legislation, you know, to ban, you know, trans girls from playing in sports or um, preventing teachers from recognizing somebody's, you know, chosen gender pronouns. I think to a degree, if that person actually had some self-reflection and sort of in a isolated way thought, like, do I really care about this? Do I really worry about this? I think some of them would say, you know, you're right. It's not a problem. But the people who put them into that seat are driving them, pushing this certain narrative. So there are conservative voters who want to see these bills or they will primary that person. Well, see, I want to know. Okay, so in my thought process also is it it feels very, is it is what comes first, the chicken or the egg kind of thing? Mm -hmm. And so is it the voters pushing this or is it because this is the narrative that's being sold in, in media nationally. And so then these people, because this is my identity, so therefore, and then they jump on board and they follow follow this, and then they go to that step. But well, they would have never gotten there yeah, without those narratives and being framed a certain way and pushed upon them. I think it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, it's it like you said, it's it's hard to find, you know, it's the dog chasing the tail. It's hard to find the beginning and the end. But at some point, we as citizens, not just politicians, have to disrupt the narrative. At certain points, we have to say, I call bullshit. On, I'm sorry, can you swear on your podcast? Probably you're, not. It, you're going to be, you're the first. <laughs> and, and we're going to let it, uh, we're, you know what, but we don't edit. So we're just going to roll. Okay. <laughs> call baloney we have to say as disruptors um and we have to we have to stand up and say you know you know what representative there is not an epidemic of trans girls taking over k-12 through sports there might be a few families a few athletes and each school should have the right to address that on a case-by-case basis on what is best for that child and that child's family and the other individuals on that team we do not need to legislate these things yeah, but I mean, isn't that the way fears always worked? I mean, it's no different than the one black family that moves in and then the rest of the neighborhood moves out. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So, I mean, it's it's old. Uh, these things are not new. They're, they're old narratives to me. They're, they're as American as apple pie in some so, ways. So do you think, and I'll turn it on you a little bit, do you, do, do you think that we have responsibility to be disruptors when it comes to people pushing those narratives? Do you think, I think we, I personally think we have moved past a part in society where we can say, well, I don't talk about, you know, politics, religion, you know, sex, whatever those top, remember how it used to be the topics yes. that you avoid. Yeah. I no longer think that we can morally avoid those topics when it comes to politics in particular, because there have been so many false things spread mm -hmm. that we are endangering the lives of our neighbors, our family members, et cetera, if we don't say to somebody, you know what, that's inaccurate. Bruh. Facts. I do agree with that. Yeah. Um, I, I appreciate disruptors, 
But at the end of the day, I'm not sure disruptors fix it. And, and what I mean by that is this. To me, there's only one thing at the end of the day that fixes any of this. And it's relationships. That's true. It's getting out of the silos and relationships. Like what you thought was scary is never that scary once you meet the people who are right it's just the facts of it like uh, when you when all of a sudden you get this new neighbor and you find out oh my god they go to they worship like we do maybe not the same way but they do worship uh, maybe they um they eat like we do maybe they don't barbecue the same things we barbecue but they barbecue oh my god they kick it with their families right. um maybe it doesn't look the same but it's it is basically culturally in a sense kind of the same like there's these values and the values are the same um and until we do that like i think disruptors come along to make people pause and to think and to question but until relationships are formed i don't know how much it seeps in I think that relationships are vital. In fact, politics is a game of relationships. And when I was first elected, it was in the middle of the COVID pandemic when everything was shut down. And the class of 10 Democrats that were elected then were really at a disadvantage because we weren't able to build relationships with our colleagues on our side of the aisle and certainly not on the other side of the aisle. Um, in this past year, in past January, I had more meetings with Republicans in their offices than I did the previous two years. So I'm going to going to be from a slightly more cynical lens absolutely relationships matter and that's why i try to be everywhere and meet as many people as possible and i really try to be a very present representative because i cannot legislate and represent the people unless i understand firsthand what they're dealing with and what they value and what they care about i have worked hard to build relationships with republicans especially in the area and i have had some very eye-opening I would say some bordering on vulnerable conversations with some of them. They've shared things with me. I've shared things with them, but there is still a really um, difficult to move stronghold. I don't know if it comes from how people were raised. I don't know if it comes from a particular religious ideology. I don't know if it comes from, I don't know what, but there is still at our core things that we will not waver on. And so I think that's both a good thing and a bad thing. Right. So I had an interesting conversation with a Republican um, in the legislature. I won't, I'll just keep the anonymity for their, yeah, their sake. Absolutely. And we were talking about um, gun violence prevention. And this individual let me know that they had a very close family member who took their own life by suicide by firearm. And we had a really good open conversation about, you know, maybe this person might be willing to work with me on legislation that um, allow it's called Donna's law federally, but it would allow somebody to put their own name on a don't sell to like gun shops would. So you could self submit or self volunteer your own name. If you were in a situation where you worried that you would cause yourself harm by purchasing a firearm. Oh, okay. um, that's it. That's, Interesting. And so this individual and I had a really good conversation about the possibilities of that in Wisconsin, what the barriers might be, et cetera. So this is a Republican who had a background where they were impacted by gun violence in their family. Right. And so, yes, I have built a relationship enough with this person that we could have this conversation and we're moving in a direction. 
you know, there are others I've tried to, you know, have those conversations with, and they've been very immovable on other issues. And you mentioned it earlier. I do think a lot of it is rooted in fear because fear breeds misunderstanding, you know? Right. So, yeah. yeah. Totally. Okay. I, we went deep. We went deep. Hey. <laughs> okay. My, what in the world is going on with, and you know what? It's funny. Right, because I, I didn't mean to go what may be a political line, but I kind of did only because. Um, what in the world is going on with some of our some of our state representatives talking about trying to defund diversity programming in our UW system? Yep, this is ridiculous, and particularly the reason I I it it bothers me in a sense is because it feels like someone spite um, having spite for their nose. Uh, what's the saying? Um, but, uh, bite off your nose and spite your face. Despite your face. Yeah. Right. So because yeah. as someone who was in the business there for a while and I know what the numbers used to be and know what the trajectory was and know those numbers probably have not changed the only thing growing for students were students of color, students of color, international students, students, uh, out of state students. Those were the pockets of growth. The one thing that was not growing was white students. You can look at the trajectory of the demographics of the population of Wisconsin and those numbers have continuously gone down over a decade. And you can specifically look at, the senior classes year after year after year. And since the UW system really is a pool of fishing out of the common pond, which is the Wisconsin student pond, right? UW system will get some people outside of Madison. This is everybody but Madison. Madison's a whole nother ball of wax, but we'll, we'll get people, you know, we'll get a few international students. You'll get some other people from out of state. But at the end of the day, you're fishing from the Wisconsin senior student pool or Wisconsin's non-traditional student pool. Um, and at the end of the day, the numbers, the demographic numbers, when it comes to white students, have been shrinking. And they've been shrinking for a long time. So... The thing that has been put in place actually to help recruitment and retention of the demographics that are growing is the thing they want to defund. That seems like a genius business plan to me. Not. I think not. You, I, <laughs> I think you hit the nail on the head when you said the white population is shrinking because going back to fear, that is what these representatives who are pushing this fear. They fear the obsolescence of the white student of, of the, you know, typically most privileged and empowered individual would be, and let's be honest, a white American born male. They fear that. And so the changing demographic, you know, diversity in all ways, skin color, country, religion, sexual identity and expression, all of that is flipping what they are used to and they're afraid and they don't want to spend money on it. In fact, they think if I don't, if we don't spend money on it, maybe it won't happen. 
you know? <laughs> yeah, right? Bruh. <laughs> but it's been happening. And it's, in a lot of ways, in some cases, it's, it. it's the saving grace. Of course it is. Of course it is. I mean, it's the same reason when, you know, I have, you know, Republicans talk about, you know, the, the workforce shortage and the problem. And it's like, well, you know, we need to have a better poli- immigration policies. We need to allow driver's license for all so that we have undocumented workers can safely get to their jobs that they're willing to do that, you know, frankly, the rest of the population at this point is not clamoring to do. I mean, diversity is a strength. We know this. It's a strength in so many ways. It's an economic strength. It's a cultural strength. Uh, it's a social strength. Until they can wrap their brains around that and embrace that, they're going to constantly have regressive, restrictive policies that do what they can to make everybody look like them. They love a homogenous Wisconsin when the real value of Wisconsin is a Wisconsin that's going to be welcoming and inclusive to all and lift up alternative voices than the ones we've always been hearing. Facts. I wanted, and I also want to frame it that I don't think, to be fair, um, because I don't do politics per se. (laughs) I try not to. Um, It's more than Republicans, right? It's, there's others out there with other, maybe independents that have that share some of these views. There's yes. there's some Democrats that share some of that. I am going to speak from a perspective of somebody who works directly in politics and who is a Democrat in the minority. So yes. everything I'm saying is my perspective in this work. Yes. So I'm not, you know, if people say she was generalizing, well, I'm making statements based on my experience. That's facts. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Okay, so good topic. I it frustrates me. Well, it is very frustrating, and I worry because um, we, you know, or we all know that the UW system is very much lacking uh, in state funding. It's been, you know, yeah, essentially declining for the last decade. It's not. It's it, here's the other part that I don't actually understand, and and I want to make a statement, but I'm not 100 percent sure how right I am in this statement. But I know there's truth in it. There was a point in time when I remember, I think I heard like the state is only funding the UW system at like 15%. It's very low. I don't, I also, I should know this, but the number is incredibly low. Right. It's not what people think it is. It's not where it's like half or most. It's not that at all. So then that really makes me question almost why are you sticking your nose in it? (laughs) <laughs> right. Well, it's, a, you know, the, the UW system is a state institution. It Absolutely. Is, we are obligated as a state to provide funding. You know, obviously some comes from tuition and fees, but, you know, they they made it, Republic, or I would say politicians made a big deal over keeping um, tuition flat. Right. Which, of course, we want college to be affordable. Absolutely. But if it's flat and you're not backfilling at the state level, you're laying off professors, you have fewer resources, you have entire um, degree programs being eliminated. We have to get Wisconsin back to being the crown jewel, being a place where people from other states come and want to be. And unfortunately, some of the policies that have been advanced as of late have been, you know, regressive and have been policies that, you know, very difficult for people to want to come to Wisconsin in, in some aspects 
if they want to study certain subjects or they want to learn certain skills. And right. It's it's unfortunate. It is unfortunate. Yeah, I'm a proud UW grad. I went to Madison, and um, my son is graduating next weekend. Hey, what yeah. is that? <laughs> Yay! Yeah, he's graduating um, Saturday. So, um, yeah, we. It's it's one of the best things the state has going for it is our strong UW system. Yes, and let's fund it because honestly, we're producing amazing people who come out of it who go on to change the world. Facts. And let's make sure that they have everything that they need, and the professors and the staff have everything they need to prepare them to take over the world and make the world a better place. I don't think we understand, um, like some of the amazing alums who have come out of all of these UW institutions to go on and just truly make yeah. national, international difference. Um, so, it, yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. We have a lot to be proud of when it comes to our UW system schools. And if we don't fund them at a level to have them be able to support the needs of students, that's going to be a different narrative. And it also is a huge talent pool for us here locally. Yes, it is. And why wouldn't we want to fund that? Yeah, I have um, a lot of young people in my life who I care about who are UW Oshkosh right now, um, UWGB, UW Stevens Point, UW Eau Claire, you know, really, really great schools. Let's fund them and let's not hold them hostage with things like, well, you need to eliminate your DEI programs or we won't give you money. Yeah. And and even that, the last thing I'll say about that, as you can tell, it just, I'm on my oh, soapbox. Yes. I'm on my soapbox about <laughs> it. Um, is the, the, the majority student needs this programming too because they're walking into a new workforce. And these things are important to prepare them for the new workforce. We we only need to look at recent events at UW-Madison to see why diversity, equity, and inclusion work is vital and part of the fabric of any institution, business, company. It's necessary. Facts. All right. Yeah. That was awesome. <laughs> Um, we're ready for the next segment. You ready to jump in? I'm doing it. I'm oh, ready. Okay. Next segment is called Word Association. This is where I throw a word at you Love and it. you share with us what comes to mind. So we always, always, always like to start off with what I call the universal word, the word that joins us all. That would be food. The best. <laughs> I love food. <laughs> I love food. I have rules around food. When I travel, I won't eat at a chain. I I research where I'm going to eat. I love food. Oh, you put effort in. Oh yeah, I love it so much. Seriously, I do. I love a good meal. I I love when people cook for me. Um, I won't go so far to say that I love cooking. I used to laugh that I cook to keep people alive. Um, but, <laughs> but I, I'm pretty good at it. Honestly, I'm pretty good at it. I do. I love food. I just got back from Milwaukee and before I went, I was like top 25 restaurants in Milwaukee and I went to one of them. So yeah, love it. Favorite. Favorite food? Yeah. Oh, well, favorite 
anything. Favorite place to visit, favorite um Oof. well no, I meant like food as as in food. We're still on food. Okay. We're still on food. Yes. Um gosh. This is hard. Cause I feel like, do I draw am I drawn to the Fox Valley? Like um, you know what? I'm gonna say it. I I I know I'm an in person of influence and I love dearly so many of our restaurants, but I think I gotta say that I have never had a bad experience at Basil Cafe. Mm. I mean the, mm. the food, just the service, the owners. It's just, I love them. Oh, yeah. I love Larry and his crew. All right. Basil's is fantastic. I have, you know, it was introduced to me by my boss. And oh. uh, I had never went there. And after I went there, I was like, Mm-mm-mm. It's really the one restaurant where when I go, I always have favorites. But I, I trust in trying new things there. Because it's never right. bad. And, and then I can fair. expand my, you know, my palate. Well, I've definitely tried things that I didn't know what they were there. And so far, I've never been disappointed. It has always turned out to my yeah. to my benefit. We have so many great restaurants in our area. Oh, yeah, but, we do. But, we yeah, do. I would say if, right. if you that would be a favorite. Okay. Cocktail or beer? Wait, what? Yeah, it's, it's, it's there. I got to look. Oh, yeah. It's a, it's, it's Cocktail no. or beer? Um, I love a Negroni before it became a, a TikTok meme. Um, I, I've, I've had, I've partook in Negronis for a long time. A lot of people think that it tastes like, um, hand pump soft soap. It is definitely the orange bitter is a, like a little taste for it. Um, is it, wait, I don't know what a Negroni is. So like, I'm just sitting here with the question mark. So is a Negroni a type of beer or is it a cocktail? It's a cocktail. It's oh, a cocktail. Okay. It's equal parts, um, gin, Aperol, um, and I put a little a soda in it, but, um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a red cocktail. It's a, it's a, um, a sipper, you know, it's not mm-hmm. like a, you're not going to drink a lot of them. Okay. Uh, favorite beer. I, in the winter, I tend to drink darker beers and I like a straight up Guinness. Um, in the summer I really love, um, I'm, you know, everybody does, but I love a spotted cow. I love something light and refreshing. I love the brewing um, that they're doing at McFlushman's. Okay. They have some really good things that I've tried that I've really enjoyed. So I haven't gone there yet. Oh, yeah. It's really, <clears throat> well, you go there for the murals and the beer. They have great murals on the side of their, at their beer garden. That's what's up. Yeah. Okay. Um, this this cocktail you spoke of now, I feel like I'm going to walk in somewhere. I'm trying to figure order out Order a Negroni? Yeah, yeah. order a Negroni. It's like yeah. I'm, I'm going... We're, we're doing Mother's Day today because my daughter's in town. So Aww. we're doing early Mother's Day uh, for my wife. And uh, we're going to the Roxy. And I feel like I'm going to walk into the you Roxy. You should try it. Well, I will so. say that because it does have that like florally bitterness. So if that's not your jam, like some people take a sip of it and they're like, "This would you just hand me soap? I just want to see try what it, it is. Okay. Right. Because I just want to... All right. I want to be able to speak from experience. I do also like a Hendrix and tonic. Hendrix gin. That's oh. another summer drink. Facts. Yeah. Hendrix is solid. All right. Concert. Well, I just got back from a concert in Milwaukee. I went to see a band called the New Pornographers. It has nothing to do with pornography. It's a band that was really kind of popular in the early 2000s. And Nico Case is the lead singer. Um, but, uh, you know, I have a lot of favorite bands. Like a, a go-to 
kind of for me, I love R.E.M. I love the Foo Fighters. Kind of haven't, my music has sort of stayed in, I think we all kind of gravitate to what we jammed out to in our 20s and 30s. Absolutely. You know, and but then I've also rediscovered, you know, stuff that my parents played, you know, when I was a kid. You know, I love Fleetwood Mac. I, you know, I have um, a record player, as the kids these days. What? <laughs> and so I've started cultivating a little bit of a vinyl collection. And I just bought Jolene by jo- Dolly Parton. And um, Nice. Yeah, so I, I enjoy a wide variety of music, but I, I love R.E.M. I love Foo Fighters. Um, I love me some alt 90s alternative music. Okay. Streaming. Um, Time Sucker. I. <laughs> <laughs> Bruh. Oh my. God, that's so good. <laughs> I, I do not. Um, here's, here's a weird, interesting fact, especially for somebody in communications and politics. I have not owned a television for over 15 years. I do not have a television in my house. I haven't had one in my house, even when my kids were teenagers. I watch almost everything exclusively on streaming services. So, yes, it can be a time sucker. You know that thing when Netflix is like, are you still watching? Yes. I feel judged. You feel feel judged by Netflix. No, no. Yes, I'm still watching. I'm folding laundry. Yes, people. (laughs) You know, why are you asking? If I haven't shut you off, just (laughs) let me continue to just let this roll. I think it's a little dangerous, though, because I have several streaming services, and I think if I added up all the costs of all of them, it might be as much as cable. I'm not sure. It's probably a little bit less, but... I I don't know. I I cut the cord a long, long time ago. On streaming services or cable? Cable. Yeah. Yeah. I I definitely have been streaming forever. Yeah. Yeah. The minute it really got reliable you know right and, and cable because cable here's my thing with cable that that frustrated me it was the surprise bill a year later right they got me they would get me every time and they'd be like hey yeah. we're gonna charge you this much and be like oh man that's good price and i think that there are certain shows that i really like like i love watching succession it's on hbo max but then when that's done I'll probably take a break from that streaming service. And then I might watch, you know, Showtime for a while. I might right. like go and do that one because of what's on. Yeah. And then, you know, if you can binge, you know, certain shows, you can watch a whole several seasons and, and that and go on to the next. I never get rid of it once I, get <laughs> <laughs> I just end up keeping it. It's just, I don't know. It happens. Um, shop local. Ooh, Gosh, um, I love it. I I think that Amazon is evil, but I find myself sometimes thinking about how easy it is. But shop local. Um, and I might I could save this to a shout out, but I'm going to do an early shout out. Um, Blue Moon Emporium. They're celebrating their anniversary. Um, I love shopping there. It's just a short walk from my house. I mean, downtown Appleton, Nina, Menasha. Oshkosh even um, have great stores. So I try to, if I'm buying a gift for somebody, I try to, I would say shop local. Yeah. Support it. Support it is what I think. Diversity. Diversity is necessary. It is lacking support as we talked about. Um, But honestly, I think it's what makes everything interesting. How boring would it be? everybody was like me or you 
we need a diversity of voices, skin colors, religions, backgrounds, all of it. Facts. Community. Mm. Well, that's why I ran for office, to be honest. I think I talk to a lot of fourth grade classrooms because that's when they're studying Wisconsin. And I will say to them, what do you think you need to run for office? And they'll raise their hands. And it's always things like, have a PhD or be rich or, you know, these kids. And I tell them that the three things that you need to run for office and the number one thing is care about your community. I can tell you two and three if you want. Well, yeah, I wasn't, <laughs> wasn't going to stop you. <laughs> so care, care about your community. I tell them to be a good listener. You have to be a good listener. You do a lot of talking as a politician, but if you're not a good listener, what's coming out of your mouth is probably going to be more of a waste of time. And then the third thing is you have to work hard. I don't understand people who phone this job in because you it's a job that you get out of it what you put into it. And if I am spending time representing the people of Wisconsin, I'm going to put a lot into it because that makes me a better representative, makes me understand my community, makes me a better advocate for my community. So, yeah, that's why I ran for office. Love it. Okay. Next segment. The next segment is the Kosh Hidden Gems. Um, this is your opportunity to share a hidden gem, not necessarily in the cash, but could be in the cash. A uh, hidden gem, something you w- maybe everybody doesn't know about. Maybe they know about it, but they don't know the particulars or details or something special about it. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your hidden gem? Um, well, I have, can I do two? You can do, okay. yes. So one of my favorite parts of representing Menasha is Hakrat um, Nature Preserve. I don't know if you've been there you probably driven by it it is a beautiful beautiful space that is for us i mean it's protective wetlands it is beautiful natural space where you can walk on a boardwalk with your own thoughts you can see i've you'll see deer you'll see you know different animals it's beautiful i love the people there i love the opportunities the education opportunities they do there they've got a great solar array um they have pollinator protections, which is a passion of mine. So I love Hecrot. In fact, I have started a tradition on Christmas Eve. No matter what the weather is, I take time on Christmas Eve to go for a walk at Hecrot. It's borderline spiritual. It's beautiful. It's quiet. It's a place for me to be alone with my thoughts. Love Hecrot. Um, and then I would also say I'm going to do shout out to Frio Ice Cream Mexican Treats. Um, on Wisconsin Avenue, I think College Avenue in Appleton gets a lot of attention. Um, Frio is a, an amazing business. Um, Hugo is absolutely wonderful. He does great things in his community in Appleton and back in Mexico. It's delicious, and you haven't lived until you've had a churro with ice cream. Oh, my goodness. It's so good. I've heard, and and. I think I have some former guests uh, <clears throat> who are supposed to be taking me to Frio. <laughs> it's so. delicious. In fact, when I am knocking doors during campaign season, if I hit 100 doors in a day, so that's that's pretty solid. I mean, that's a good four and a half hours worth of work, sometimes five. I reward myself with a treat. 
And sometimes my treat is Frio. Oh, <laughs> okay. I like that. You give, you give a little motivation. Yep. Yep. Got to do a hundred doors though to get a treat. Oh, <laughs> that that's no joke. I'm a disciplinarian of my own self. Is that how that works? Yeah. Mm. Then I admire it because I am not about that life. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of doors. I got to get through it. No, that's a hundred doors. I mean, that's got to be... I don't know how many houses would typically be on a block. I guess it matters. Block well, size. Well, just to give you an idea. So I, my district is about 57,000 people. Mm. Um, of that, you know, maybe 30,000 of them are voters. Okay. Um, in any given campaign cycle, you know, you want to hit like certain percentage of doors yourself and then your volunteers will hit the rest of the doors. I hit a record um, and I think it might've been, a, I'm not kidding. I think it might've been a state record. Um, last campaign season, I personally knocked over 5,000 doors. Whoa. Yes, I did. And those are things Bruh. you can, you can record. Like, it's not like I'm making it up. It's like, it shows you that you've done it. So that's, that's pretty, that's hardcore. It was a lot. Yeah, but, that is. But it was, um, you know, I, and I, I love it. I can still like, I'm driving down the street and I'll say, oh, that's where a woman named Nancy lives. She has a son in the military and she's concerned about this or that house is a really cute dog and the guy wasn't sure about me, but then we bonded on this. So it's like you remember these stories. You know what? That's that actually, I think uh, for myself, I didn't always understand why you had to go out and do like all of this door knocking. Right. Cause I, I've always, and maybe it's just me being a little skeptical. I just always felt in a lot of cases, most people already knew who they were kind of going to vote for whatever that means. And, um, but once again, I'm a person that also believes in the power of relationships and door knocking. And that, that interaction is the power of relationships at work to me. Can I tell you a quick story about that? Sure. Okay. So this past spring I was knocking doors, not for myself, but I was knocking for, um, Janet Protasiewicz who was running for state Supreme court and I was knocking a door and I could see on the list that it was a, a woman and she was in her early 80s. And she, based on the data that we had, she usually votes for Democrats. So should have been a friendly door. Um, she was so turned off, as were most of us, understandably, by all of the negative ads, everything. And so she was not in a good mood. And I said, you know, I'm not, I'm, I told her who I was, I told her who I was supporting. And she said, I'm just tired of it. I, I'm tired of all of them. They all lie. They're all bad. Um and she said, I just can't, I can't stand her face. I, I just, I feel like everybody lies. So now I just vote on people based on how they look. And I, I kind of, Bruh. I know, <laughs> I kind of took a step back and I, I looked at her and I said, I'm so disappointed to hear this as a woman in politics, the idea that somebody would vote for me based on appearance makes me sad. And she kind of softened at this point. And that was a point of entry for us to have a real conversation and I talked to her for about 15 minutes, and which is a long time for a door. You actually kind of try to avoid that much time at any one door. And at the end, she said, I'm voting for your candidate, and you've given me so much to think about. And I know you spent a lot of time here, but it was worth it. You've got my vote. So it does matter. Awesome. Yeah. I need to hear that. I think yeah. we all need to hear that. It's not about me. Um, gosh, listeners, I think um, – I think there's more people out there who have certain feelings about things and they just don't ever get to express them or share them. 
people want to be heard. And the asking an open-ended question at the door, I'll say, what concerns you? What's on your mind? What can I help make better? And I will hear everything from, you know, some pointed things that I can work on. Or I'll sometimes, there was an older woman in Menasha and she said, she was on oxygen and she said, well, I, I need somebody to clean my house. And I've told that story and people laugh. And I said, you know what I did? I went back, I called United Way 211 and we found a service that cleans houses of older, infirm people. And now she has somebody cleaning her house because she was honest and told me what she needed. Now that's amazing. Yeah. That makes me happy. Well, it, and it makes, you know, I can't pass legislation as a Democrat in the minority but I can positively impact people's lives simply by asking and listening and acting. Facts. Yeah. That's why I keep doing it. That's powerful. All right. What's the Kosh need? What does the Kosh need? Um, I think we, I'm going to go a little esoteric here. I think we universally need patience. I think we need patience with ourselves I think we need patience with one another. I think we need patience with our community and our community leaders. I think most people in the world operate with good intentions, regardless of their behavior. And I think if we can sort of take a step back and think about what does this person really mean or what are they trying to do and have a little patience building those relationships, Timber, uh, I think everything will be a little bit better. Facts. All right. This has been so good. Yeah. And look, we're still rolling. I mean, we've got a ways to go a little bit. All right. So we are on to the next segment. Um, actually, you know what? What we're going to do, we're going to take a small commercial break. Did you know there are children in the Fox Valley in need of hearing aids? but their parents struggle to provide them because of lack of insurance or high copays? I am Juliette Sturkins, audiologist and board member of Here in the Fox Cities, and proud that this small local nonprofit organization has helped fund hearing aids for some 30 kids. Your donation would help more children here. Visit hereinthefoxcities.org to learn more and to see their smiles, every child deserves to hear. Okay, we're ready to jump into what is quickly becoming my new favorite segment. And this segment is called Story Time. And this is the opportunity, Lee, um, to share a story, which you've shared a couple, which has been really good. Say, I feel like I've shared quite a few. Yeah, but you know what? It's still story time. So, <laughs> but yeah, that's it. it Just it, any story? Any story. Um, because I believe in the power of narratives. Okay. And, um, and I do believe it's stories are our ultimate connection point in a lot of ways. So I'll keep it political. I'll keep it on brand. But I'll also bring it to Oshkosh. Oh, okay. Okay. So um, last term, so assembly terms are two years. Um, last term, I was approached, myself and Christina Shelton, who is my friend and the representative in Green Bay, 
We were approached by two Oshkosh West young women students um, for an idea on legislation. They were very disappointed about the lack of participation in civics and voting um, in their classmates. Um, They found like most of their classmates didn't understand the importance of voting, why they should bother to vote, even how to vote. Um, And so they worked together on a project um, to expand voter education. And they developed a website and they said, we would love it if we could have voter education be a requirement, you know, just about voting, the process of democracy, how it works, why we have it, who's fought for it, who's died for it, who can do it um, in our schools. So we worked with them and we introduced legislation last session that would require one hour per year, just per year of voter education in K through 12. And these young women worked with educators at all those grade levels to develop appropriate curriculum. So if it passed, they would not have to, you know, do the work to figure out how to do it. Um, It didn't, it didn't even get a hearing. But the story I want to tell you is that young people caring about their community, their peers, the process of making Wisconsin, the United States, a better place by participating in democracy, they cared enough to go to us as legislators and say, can you help us with this? Um, We plan to reintroduce that legislation. These young women have gone on to college. Um, We'll reach out and let them know that we're reintroducing. But I want, I hope that if parents or young people that listen to your podcast, I hope they understand that you don't have to be in elected office to make a difference and that coming to your representatives and elected officials with ideas is often the best way that we develop and write legislation. So that's a story of the importance of personal engagement in your community. Facts. Okay. Love it. All right. And now, now it's time for the real deal. Oh, goodness. Oh. <laughs> Every time, every time it makes me happy. Uh, it I is. Like, I feel like I'm on CNN. Facts. <laughs> <laughs> it is time for the topic of the week. Uh, as Kosh listeners know, uh, the topic of the week is chosen by our guest 99.9% of the time. And Lee, this week's topic of the week is. I did a perfect segue. It is youth voter engagement. All right, let's go. Um, Well, I think if you have been paying attention, um, and I don't mean that as an insult, but um, there have been stories that have shown how the last few elections, especially in Wisconsin in the spring, um, the engagement, the uptick in voting and voter registration of young people, um, 18 to 25, has been through the roof. And we have a new generation of people who are waking up and realizing the power of organizing and coming together and using their voices collectively to elect leaders who are going to make the decisions on issues that they care about. And the flip side is, as we have more and more young people voting and participating in our democratic process, there are going to be people who try to suppress it because, um, I sit on campaigns and elections. I'm the ranking member, which is the highest ranking Democrat on that committee at the state level. I 
truly don't care how people vote. I want them to vote. I want everybody to participate in the process because then we'd have a truly, you know, representative democracy. Unfortunately, our voter participation rates continue to be low, but I'm thrilled to see that young people are not um, disheartened with the process and, in fact, realize the power of voting. And I want to see more of it. What can I not to sidetrack? Do you know what our kind of at the state level, what is our participation rate um, as a state? I should know that. I don't know what I'll All right. Can. Don't worry. Yeah. I, right. You know what? I hate when people ask me those kinds of questions yeah. and then I ask people those kinds of it, questions. It hovered, I mean, it depends on each election. Um, we had an incredible amount of participation in for a spring election this past. I want to say it hovered around 30%. Okay. Which is pretty good, honestly. I know it sounds terrible, but it's not bad. See, okay. I've heard 30% before, but I thought that was our norm. No. And no, that's... That's no, especially in a spring election where there wasn't anything. I mean, this was just a state Supreme Court race. You know, normally a spring election, you'd be looking at like 12. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, okay. So, yeah, I mean, you know, obviously, you know, 2024, we're going to have a presidential. We're going to have a U.S. senator in Wisconsin up for reelection. That should be very high turnout. Um, I love high turnout races because the, it means more people are voting. Um, but yeah, I, th- I don't think we can discount the fact that young people are making their voices hurt. I mean, they're going to be, I tell this to kids all the time. Look, I am voting on things that are going to impact you long after I'm gone. You know, I'm a bench warmer here. I'm warming this bench for the next generation of politicians and leaders who want to step up. And the, literally the things that I vote on in Wisconsin are going to be things that they're dealing with 10, 15, 20 years from now. So they should pay attention. You know, I always think of Michelle Obama. She said to somebody, and I use this at the doors when I talk to young people, and they're like, eh, I don't know, it doesn't matter. And I just say to them, would you let me pick out your clothes? Would you let me pick out the music that you listen to on the way to work? And they kind of look at me like, no. And I'm like, then why would you let older people pick out who's going to make decisions that are in- impact you, where you live, taxes you pay, what kind of jobs you can get? Pay attention. Vote for people who reflect the values and the things that you prioritize. And they finally are. And I love it. I'm here for it. That is a really good um, comparison. Yeah. Thank you, Michelle Obama. Oh. She's, well, the, she's the one who used that. Well, you, you know, she, we look. <laughs> Queen Michelle. <laughs> but it you is know. true. It is true. I mean, and when I've had them sort of reflect back to me and say, oh, that's a good point. Yeah. How do I, how do I vote? And the great thing is the one thing Wisconsin hasn't killed yet is you can register to vote on election day Mm, and you can go to www.myvote.wi.gov and you can find out where you vote, how to register. You can request absentee ballots. You can uh, find out what's on your ballot when you get closer to an election. It's a one-stop shop. It's a great website. No, I love that website. And I love being able to register for the year and have where I can say, yes, I'm going to do mail-in voting for the whole year. Send me every election. And then to me, that makes sure I'm engaged, right? Uh, Because 
life happens and you might miss those some of those days when you're supposed to go and vote for what are not the major and i'll flag for you that some people are trying to stop that some people are trying to stop that you can request that in advance so something that's efficient so wisconsin used to be number four in states that are easiest to vote in and we have fallen way way down into like the 40s so things like things like eliminating ballot boxes things like eliminating um um indefinite confinement ability to vote absentee early absentee permanently um things like polling locations closing uh, early voting hours how many how many weeks how many days how many hours all of those things impact the ease of voting and in a in a society where people don't do things honestly unless they're convenient or easy typically the default is it's got to be easy it's got to be on your way it's got to be convenient we need to make voting the same way. It doesn't mean that a bunch of ineligible people are going to vote. We need to make sure that all those who are legally able to vote can do so in a way that is convenient, um, which includes expanding the hours. Not everybody works a nine to five or seven to four. Um, some people work nights. Some people work weekends. Some people don't have transportation. Um, yeah. So another thing that um, I'm working on introduced last session were bills that would have somebody at every high school, public and private, that when that student turns 18, they will get a notice or call to the office and say, hey, you're eligible to vote. Would you like to register? Get them where they're there. Yep. I actually, I don't understand the strategy of voter suppression because to me it never works. And what I mean by that is, you, if you want somebody to do it, if you want somebody to actually do something, try to keep them from doing it. <laughs> that no, that it, it yeah. totally seems like that's the way it works. If you're gonna tell somebody you can't do it, they're gonna go the extra mile to make sure they can do it. It's just the nature of things. You can't read those books. Guess what? All the young people are gonna go find those books and they're gonna read those books. You, we're going to make voting very difficult. Guess what? We're going to make sure that I get the vote and I will do whatever it takes because you're not going to take that freedom from me. It's the American way. <laughs> I hope you're right. I, I hope you're right. And I, I, I get that logic. I have seen, however, situations where people who are infirm, people who are older, um, again, people who you know work those shifts, that are difficult. I have seen where they've eliminated so many paths to them voting that they just sort of are like, I give up. What does it even matter? I hope you're right. Yeah. No, you're, I'm absolutely sure that happens too. Yeah. Yes. So shout out to the young people for voting and for caring. I love the conversations I have with young people. I always ask them at the doors when I talk to, you know, parents, I'll answer the door and usually like a, smaller person will wander up and I turn to that smaller person and I say, you should run for office. And they kind of look at me and I say, yeah, you can do it. You should run for office. I tell every class that I talk to, all of you should run for office someday. Any level, doesn't matter. Right. Mm -hmm. How many of them say, yeah. Well, I met, (laughs) I met a really lovely young man named Ricardo at uh, Bonta Elementary last week, and he was a fireball. Man, that kid told me who his favorite soccer players were and how he was going to be a professional baseball player and a private detective, and now he's going to be a politician too. So shout out to Ricardo. 
Okay. All the the possibilities are endless. Yeah. Ricardo. Yeah. <laughs> I love at, it. At Bonta Bilingual School. Love it. All right. What else would you like to share about our youth voter engagement? Um, well, I think it starts in the home. Honestly, the reason that I even paid attention to politics is because I remember my mom taking me to the elementary school where I went to school and voting. And back then we had to pull this little lever and a curtain would close to like make your vote private. Um, but yeah, my, my mom and my dad, but it was funny cause my dad would come home from work. He was a Republican at the time. And my mom would say, come on girls, we're going to go cancel at your dad's vote. So I even understood like the power of one vote. Um, <laughs> So I think, yeah, if, as you, if you are a parent and you're listening, make sure you talk to your children about voting, take them with you, show them what you do, talk to them about the importance, even if you disagree. In fact, especially if you disagree, you know, talk about how, look, we don't have to all think the same, but we all have the same right when it comes to the ballot box. We can all fill in those bubbles and make our voice heard. You know, some of the favorite things I like to see um, in my job uh, is when voting is happening and they're coming to city hall to vote right yep. and um i'll end up in the hallway or maybe in the elevator room and there's this glowing parent oh. with this teen and they're like the they're voting time. for their first yes. time and they're totally <laughs> red and they're I looking down too. and i go yeah congratulations and like it's the best and you can see the little smile creep yep. up and the little smirk happen and it's like it's so awesome. I took a picture of my it. daughter at City Hall voting for the first time, a little selfie. And yeah, it's 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 such a milestone. It's, it really is. It's so great. It's fantastic. Yeah. Okay. Any last things about youth voter engagement? Uh, just keep it up. Keep it up, kiddos. You're going to be in charge soon. Huh? Facts. All right. So, gosh, listeners, you already know. It is time where we start winding down. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for spending this time with us. Thank you for giving us your minds and your ears. Um, we appreciate you so much. You already know that the Kosh, we are totally a work in progress. So please do not hesitate to reach out to us. Let us know how you are doing. But if you want to be on the show, if you've got something to say, something you want to share, you can reach out to us at askthekosh at gmail.com that's our email once again that is askthekosh at gmail.com um, for those who maybe want to take a little more of an active role in the cash uh, we do have a voicemail so feel free to call us leave us shout outs leave us with questions for our guests uh, we will ask them matter of fact we will play whatever you send us on a future episode uh, you can do that at the cash podcast.com uh, website once again that is the cash podcast.com website um, and lastly please 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 let people know how awesome the cash is if you think it's awesome awesome if you don't um, maybe not so much <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, please Leave us, uh, subscribe to the Kosh, uh, leave us a review. Um, let us know, let us know and others know how do you feel about 
uh, the Kosh podcast. And last, lastly, know that we've got some T-shirts in stock. Um, if anyone's interested, I got some XLs. I've got a couple of mediums. Reach out to us. Let us know if you're interested. Because um, you know my saying, nothing says local like a, the Kosh T-shirt. Nice. It's facts. It's just facts. Nice. All right. So, now we're on to the good stuff, my absolute favorite part of the show, and that is, it is shout-out time. <laughs> so, Lee, what do you got for shout-outs? Okay, so we just finished uh, National Teacher Appreciation Week, so I would like to give a shout-out to teachers. It is not an easy field to be in these days. Um, teachers feel, well, first of all, they are I'll just say, they're underfunded from a state perspective, um, and I think that they've been maligned. Um, we have to remember these are the people who got us through the pandemic, helped us with our kids when we were, you know, half trying to educate them at home. They were developing new technology and things. They're under a lot of scrutiny and criticism for everything from what they teach in the classroom to how they teach it to how they recognize their students. I want to give a shout out to teachers. It's a very difficult job. They're often under-resourced. They're often underpaid. Um, they work their butts off and they are you know, developing that new generation of leaders that I just talked about. So shout out to the teachers. Big, big shout out to the teachers. Uh, couldn't, yes, to the educators. Yes. On all levels and those who are even in the education system who are not directly educating, we need you to. Yep, absolutely. All right. Any other shout outs? Gosh, I could be here for a long time. Hey, you know what? That is what the <laughs> shout outs are for. Okay. You can go. Um, okay. Well, um, I would like to also shout out um, Kyle Armstrong at the Community Foundation. I think he does great work. He has done work on uh, diversity and access to trails in Wisconsin. Shout out to the East Central Regional Planning Commission for all the work that they're doing, especially on the High Cliff Trail Connection. I think that it's important that we have connectivity in our communities in the Fox Cities that are not just by car. So shout out to Kim Biederman and her work there. Facts. I'm, I'm going to shout out the Mayor Manasha. He's great. Don Mercus, I love working with him. He's done a lot of great things on trail development. He's always highlighting aspects of Manasha that people aren't necessarily familiar with. And he always invites me to Arbor Day. I always get to plant a tree with them. And then in the spring, summer, I'll be planting at Smith Park as well. So um, I really appreciate our municipal leaders who have won. You are, you are one as well um, because they also get a lot of people griping at them. So shout out to the mayors. All right. Love it. All right. You know, it's funny. You even stole one of my shots. Uh-oh. No, okay. you know, that, that great minds think alike. That's that's exactly what I was thinking. Um, I want to send a shout out to Pat Kretlow at the Up North News Radio. Um, I got an opportunity to do an interview about the Kosh. He was curious. He oh, wanted Pat. to know how the Kosh came to be and um, how guy. do how do we get these amazing guests? <laughs> <laughs> I've been on Up North News too, but have me back on soon, Pat. Yeah, so thank you, Pat, for reaching out to me. I um, want to send a shout-out to uh, Brenda Hayes, who made the connection to Pat. So, hey, Brenda, thank you as always. Good looking out. Um, want to send a shout-out to um, the young men who showed up. Um, I had a presentation yesterday 
to a group of middle schoolers in high school, all young black males, about going to high school and going to college. Um, and it was just a great conversation with them. And then parents got engaged. And, you know, it was these black young men um, talking to some of us older black men who have been through these institutions and are well into our professional lives and just there's gaps in guidance. Mm. There's gaps in guidance and sometimes messenger matters a lot because you can get somebody to give you the best guidance, but if it's not the right messenger, you don't trust it. 100%. So um, I want to thank these young men for taking their Saturday and spending part of it with me and those parents who made sure that they were able to attend. So that's huge. Uh, big shout out to my man, uh, brother Justin Smith, for getting ready to walk across this stage uh, at UW Oshkosh, my brother. And big shout out to uh, all the UW Oshkosh graduates as a Titan, uh, a person who calls UWO home. Um, as a person who used to be part of that commencement um, ceremony piece, um, congratulations. Uh, the road is hard, uh, but I assure you, adulting is harder. So <laughs> enjoy this. <laughs> Facts. Um, I want to send also a shout out to uh, Rovell over, uh, with People of Progression, my man. Thank you so much. Good looking out. Great conversation better lunch um and you know what just because you said their name i'm still gonna send them the shout out to my man kyle oh nice yes that's crazy yeah uh, yeah me and kyle had an opportunity to have a conversation because there is a pride event yeah. that's gonna be happening in the region I'll be part of um that. yeah awesome um he did tell me that uh, <laughs> and uh so I can't wait for that to happen. Um, Let's make sure that it's the most amazing pride uh, event that we can have for our region. Uh, Because actually, I believe Appleton and Oshkosh are going to have them on the same weekend back to back is Mm -hmm. what it sounds like. So um, let's make it happen. Let's have a great time. Let's celebrate. Let's make it about joy. And let's hope that, you know, some of the people we talked about earlier just allow joy to happen. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. Let's have a good time. Yeah. I have to do one more shout out. Oh, let's make it happen. To my son, Henry, graduating next Saturday, jazz percussion major and already like amazing, talented, sought after drummer. So shout out to Henry. To the shout outs. (laughs) Fabulous. Okay. Lee, we've got one last thing to do. Okay. The last thing that we do is every guest gets an opportunity to give parting words of wisdom, but there are choices. Okay, good. So the choice is this. You get an A, B, and a C. I loved multiple choice, scantrons and all that. So A, you can share with Kosh listeners some good parting words of wisdom. B, you can share what would yourself today tell your 12-year-old self? Or C, which is all of the above. You can do both if you choose. <laughs> so what do you got? Oh, um, I think I will choose B. And I would tell my 12-year-old self to trust your gut and take 
the risk. Yeah. Love it. All right. What'd you think? This was great. Honestly, this was a blast. I had so much fun. The cash. 